0: Welcome back, everybody. So glad that you're here. I want to welcome everybody on live stream once again today. Uh, you know, it's funny. It's never what we plan, but how many of you guys know God has plans? God always has a way. We we plan our course. God orders our steps. And I do believe that we're right where we're supposed to be today. So sit back, get your Bibles open to Romans chapter eight. One last time, part four, talking about the family business, the family business. And uh, again, reach out to somebody. Say, tune in. It's time we're going to get in the Word. Romans chapter 8, verse 15 says this. The Spirit you received does not make you slaves. Just stop and be grateful for that for a minute. The Spirit of God, the Spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by Him, by the Holy Spirit, we call God Abba. Father, Papa, Daddy, the Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, now, what I've been trying to get to for about a month now, here we are. I want you to grasp this. If you get this, you get everything today. If you don't get this, then, then you don't get anything today. Here it is. <clears throat> God never leads us out of something unless it's for the purpose of leading us into something. God never leads His people out of Egypt and then lets them wander in the wilderness. They come out of Egypt So they can go into the promised land, out of darkness, into marvelous light, out of the past, into the future, out of history, into destiny. And so today we're going to spend some time getting into this and seeing this. So he has just said about salvation, we're not slaves, we're sons, but sons have a purpose. And here it goes. You ready? Now, if we are children, then we're heirs, heirs of God. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. I I will be honest with you. I was just talking about this several times in the last week. That scripture, I am an heir of God. I have everything. I have access to everything God has. I have the exact same access that Jesus had when he walked the earth as a man. I am a co-heir with Christ. I'm an heir of God. I will confess to you, I really don't know what that means. I, I, I think the best illustration I got, I got in one of the services last week where I said, I feel like my like my father has this garage full of these amazing tools. I don't know how to use most of them, but I'm excited about the lessons to learn how to use the power saw, to learn how to use the, the polishing wheel, to learn how to use the, the wrench and that which fixes plumbing and humanity and hearts. And so I know this. I know that the word is promise. It tells me who I am. I'm an heir. I'm a son, you're a daughter, you're an heir, but it also tells us that we have a purpose. Out of, for the purpose of, Going into Now look again, Ephesians chapter 2, Paul's still writing, and remember, he's talking, to, he's talking to us about his story. This is a process that he had to go through. He went from being completely lost and arrogant to being found and completely humbled, and now this is his process of walking it out into the promised land, into the promises, into sonship, into being an heir, into all the things that God has for him. So he's going to tell us these words from Romans, and now these words from Ephesians. Chapter 2 and verse 8 talks again about salvation. Let's come out of something so that we can can go into something. For it's by grace you've been saved through faith. And this, not from yourselves. You didn't save yourself. It is the gift of God, not by work, so that no one can boast. Now look right here. What he said is, the way to salvation is through faith. It's trust, by grace, through faith. God is good enough. We trust that he's good enough. Grace has met faith, and salvation has been produced. Now you're out of. You're out of darkness. You're out of the past. You're out of sin. You're out of judgment. But God never leads us out of, come on, without leading us, there you go, into. So here's the next verse. For we are God's handiwork, his workmanship, his poema is the word there. Created in Christ Jesus, why? Why are we born again? Here it comes. To do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. There it is again. Romans chapter 8. Orphans become sons. Sons become heirs. Um, in this case, we go from salvation to, to purpose, from, from works of the flesh to works of the Spirit. You have been given not just the erasing of your history, hear me, you've been given the, the, the birth of your destiny. God's gifts, God's Spirit, God's stuff, your inheritance from Him is a purpose-filled life that has power, that has gifts, that has moments, that has uh, decades, that has centuries of effect. And so today, um, I just want to put these two thoughts together. Let's take Paul's writing from Romans and Ephesians and see if we can't make them into one thought. Here it is. From our new identity, everybody say identity. Come on, everybody say identity. From our new identity, that is heirs and co-heirs, we work in the family business, right? Works which God prepared in advance for us to do. From our position of being sons and heirs, we now work in the family business the works of our Father. You have to hear me. I I know that I've said this, but this is my last chance to say it before we move on to other things, heading into Easter, heading into what happens after people get saved at Easter. So this is my last shot. That's why I'm a little emphatic right now. That and the cappuccino I just drank. So you got to hear me. Here it is. Ready? You have been saved for something. We all know you've been saved from something. If you're saved, you've been saved from something. And you know what that is. You know your story. You know your testimony. You know what you went through. You know what God brought you out of. But here's a beautiful mystery. Knowing what God brought us out of really doesn't have a lot to do with what God's leading us into, does it? The mystery of the future, the dependency you have on the Holy Spirit to speak to you about who you are now. Salvation happens in a glorious instant. Born again. Generations of stupidity erased in a moment of grace. That's salvation. But once you are saved from something... This lifelong pursuit of what you are saved for initiates. As sons and daughters, our lives are to be lived, to be founded, to be based on God's promises to us. Now, <clears throat> I say promises because uh, I, I use the word commandments. Sometimes, like, okay, don't smoke, don't chew, <clears throat> don't run with girls To do. I, I get that. Um, those are commandments, but I, I use the word promises because every promise is a commandment, and every commandment brings with it the ability to obey, which is a promise. So when you hear the word promise, hear the word commandment. When you hear the word commandment, you have to hear the word promise. Why? Listen, God's promises, God's commandments are the legal documentation. It's it's the license, the authority, it's the badge, and it's the gun for all of our assignments. Let me say it again. When you know what God has said to you, you have authority, a badge. You have power, a gun. You, you have a mission to go on. You have, you, have, you have a commandment, but you also have a promise that goes with that. You have a promise, but that promise comes with a commandment from God to obey. And I want to show this to you today. That so it's irrefutable. So you get it in your head, get it in your heart. Here we go. Matthew chapter 4, verse 4. Jesus is tempted in the wilderness. He's having a kind of a a, a sparring match, a sword drill with the devil. And the devil says, if you are the son of God, then turn these rocks into bread. This is what Jesus says. Jesus answered out of Deuteronomy chapter eight and verse three, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but by every word, every word that comes from the mouth of God. Now, what he's saying is this. As bread sustains our physical body, so what God is saying and has said sustains the rest of us that's alive. Now think about that. If you wouldn't eat today or tomorrow or the next day or or the next two weeks or three weeks or four weeks, you would understand that part of you would be slowly dying because your body needs bread. Your body needs calories. He's saying this, Deuteronomy Chapter 8, Jesus is quoting it now to the devil, Matthew chapter 4, and he says the same thing. Just like the body would grow weak and die without bread, so your soul, your spirit, everything else that's in you that's alive, everything else that's in you that's born again will will wither and eventually lose its its own strength, its life, unless the word of God, unless what God has said and what God is saying is a part of your life. God speaks in lots of different ways. I know when I just said, um, you know, what God is saying, you're like, does God still speak? Yes. Now, let's take a look at this. Look at these things. Deuteronomy chapter eight, verse three. When Moses wrote that, every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, that, that phrase, every word that proceeds is a Hebrew compound phrase and it's a noun. So what Moses was talking about, man doesn't live on bread alone, but by the law, that which has been established, God has revealed it to me. I have written it down. I've given it to you. That's what you live on, not just by bread, but what God has said. But when Jesus quotes it in Matthew chapter four, verse four, he's now speaking in Aramaic. And in Aramaic, Jesus quotes Deuteronomy. But instead of saying every word that proceeds, there's a slight difference, but it's huge. He doesn't just say every word that has been established a noun. He says every word that is being established, which is a verb. He quotes Deuteronomy chapter 8, and it's a word-for-word translation from, you know, the, the Hebrew to the Aramaic, the Greek, and to us, but but it, there's a slight change. So Jesus is saying this, not only what God has spoken will man live by, but what I'm speaking. When he was talking at that moment, he was speaking as the living word of God. So you don't just live by that, you live by this. But let's take it even a step further, because all throughout the first Um, Well, actually, the entire book of Revelation, there's this phrase that's repeated, but especially in the first three chapters. Let him who has an ear hear what the Spirit, what, has said? No, is saying. Let him hear what the Spirit is saying. Now, not only is that phrase, is saying, uh, a verb, it's a verb in the continual tense. In other words, Moses wrote the law. It's done. It's a noun. Jesus was speaking. It's a verb. But the Holy Spirit continues to speak. It's a a verb in the continual tense. I love this. I love this because I believe that the Holy Spirit continues to speak to us today. Now, the the word of God will tell you things like, you know, what a godly spouse would be, what a godly man, what a godly woman would be. But the word doesn't tell you which guy to marry. they not tell you which gal to, to put a ring on the finger. Those are, those are moments where we need, the, we need the Holy Spirit to speak to us specific promises and decrees. It'll, it'll tell you to get a job. The Word will tell you to get a job, but it won't tell you which job to take. That's something that happens on the inside of you as the Holy Spirit brings peace or a check, a sense of unsettledness, or I just, I don't know, my spidey sense is tingling, my intuition. Well, that's the Holy Spirit speaking to a part of you that doesn't have language. Let me say it again. The Holy Spirit can speak to us in areas of our, of our physiology that have the inability. They cannot speak. They just know. They just feel it. Um, if you're a, a, a brain geek like I am, it's called the limbic brain. Deep within the human brain, there's a part of us that just trusts or does it. We don't know why. We feel at peace, at ease, or we don't. And many times in my life, God has directed my life by giving me peace when I should have had no peace at all or a check in my spirit when I should have had complete peace, and the Holy Spirit's dealt with me. I, I can't explain to you why. I just know that God said no, or God said yes, right? So what God said, what Jesus was saying, and what the Holy Spirit continues to say. And this is what we live from. We live from the promises of God. That's where our life comes from. Just like the bread gives calories, it gives our physical body strength. Knowing what God wants us to do, having a destiny, being led by the Spirit, being, being obedient to what has been established in the law, what Jesus you know, said during his, his earthly ministry and what the Holy Spirit is saying today, that's where your life comes from. I, I know you'd relate to this, but has there ever been a season in your life where you're a little bit distant from God? You say, why am I distant from God? I just, my heart just doesn't ring with His truth, right? And I just feel like, like He's farther away than I, I'd like Him to be. Well, what, what happened? Often what happened was, just like we stopped eating bread and our bodies would get weak, we're not living from the promises of God. I Just think of this. If you're not living from the promises of God, what are you living from? Whatever it is, it cannot give you the life, the strength, the hope, the peace, the joy that that the word of God can give. Only the words of God can give. So why is this so important? And just three quick things. Hear me. Number one is this. Words have authority. Words have authority. The, the word exousia is the... The, the, the Greek word exousia, I don't know, but exousia to me. Uh, the King James Bible says exousia. And, and it means this, it means the right, the, the right to rule, the authority, the, uh, the jurisdiction, if you will, to rule and to reign. And I, I would think of it this way, when, you know, if I were um, sitting here and suddenly a man looked up on the platform and said, hey, how's it going? I'm like, yo, what's up? You know, and he walks out the platform. I, I wouldn't recognize him as anything special. But if I walked into a room that was ornate, that was covered in tapestries and gold and seated upon an elevated chair and a throne was a man with a crown filled with jewels and a scepter in his hand, even though it might be the same man, I recognize that this man is royalty based on what's going on around me, right? Well, in the same way, words are pretty common. A common man walks by, he's a common man. You wouldn't know if he was a king, but, but royal words carry a different weight. And I, and I, I need you to hear this. When we understand that God has promised us something, those aren't just words. Those are royal words. That's the badge. That's that's that authority that is given to us. Jesus says it this way in Matthew chapter 28. He said, all authority, all exousia in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, he tells his followers, go. Remember we're going to ask when we see the word therefore, we ask the question, what's the therefore, therefore? What's the therefore? Therefore. Because I've been given all authority, all exousia is mine, I'm now parting it out to people. Those are royal marching orders. That's, that's Jesus on a throne speaking to you. When a guy says, hey, you're pretty, or a girl says, hey, you're handsome, or a your boss says you're an idiot, or a parent says I love you, those words all carry certain definitions and certain weight. But when the king speaks to you from the throne, you have his authority when you leave that room. The words of God, the promises of God, The decrees of God, the commandments of God all carry with them an authority, a royalty. When you go, you go as an ambassador in the name of the king with the authority of the king. He says, teaching them, teaching them. Don't just go and make disciples, but teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And guess what? Wherever you go, baby, I'm in. I'm going with you. That is; Those are royal words spoken with great authority to disciples both then and now. Promises have authority like a sheriff has a badge. Secondly, promises, commandments have power. Um, the word dunamis comes to mind here. They have power. Acts chapter one, verse eight says, you'll receive power, dunamis, dynamite, explosive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. So that, that power. Remember that the sheriff has a badge? Well, the sheriff also has a gun. He's got authority, but he's also got power. And, and I want you to know that, that when you walk in your promises, it's not like you're walking with a laundry list of assignments. You're walking with authority and you're walking with power. You're, you're moving in such a way that, that you're acting on someone else's behalf. You are coming in the name of the king. You, you have proceeding in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You're praying over what he wants to see happen in the earth. And so with his authority and with his power, you get to be a, a vessel of honor for his glory. And I'll say this as we kind of start to wrap up our time today. I, I just the last of the three thoughts. It's simply this: I, as I get older, I'm beginning to think more in terms of legacy. As I think in terms of legacy, I think this last part about promises. Probably, for me, it's the greatest reason of all, and probably one that was central to Paul's thinking when he was writing these things. Is this: when we live our promises, our lives become the fulfillment of what God has promised to others. When we live our promises, we literally become the fulfillment, the embodiment of what God has promised to others. Now we're talking legacy, right? When we walk in our promises, hear me, God gets to keep his promises. And I'll show it to you in just a minute, but just think about it. When we walk in what God has promised us, the authority and the power of what God has promised to you, to your your marriage, to your family, to your church, to your community, when we walk in our promises, God then keeps his promises to others. We become the embodiment the vehicle, the tool by which God delivers his goodness on this earth. One of the greatest things we can do, ever do, is to be a part of God keeping his promises to another person. Let me me show you this. You might recognize this Cecil B. DeMille character, Moses, right? The Ten Commandments, the stick, all that kind of stuff, and everybody's parting the Red Sea. You realize that God made very specific promises to Moses. And because Moses was obedient to those commands— there were promises and those promises that were commands, because he was obedient to those promises, he became the embodiment of what God had promised to the nation of Israel. He promised that after 400 years, I'm going to set you free. You're going to be slaves. Your forefathers sold you out. They sold themselves first to slavery. Then, you know, literally they were taken over by the Egyptians. They become slaves. But after 400 years, which is a long time, I'm going to deliver you. Because Moses was obedient to what he heard at the burning bush. And every day beyond that, he became the embodiment of what God had promised through prophecy to a nation 400 years before Moses took his first step into the promised land, or into the wilderness, not never in the promised land. Hear me, hear me. As Moses lived from God's promises, he became the fulfillment of what God had promised his people. Secondly, look at this one. I, and you just look into that little face. I love, I love this little boy. I love this moment. I took that picture and that moment is, is I don't need to see the picture to see the picture. It's etched in my heart. You remember years ago, God spoke to me and then I, I shared it with you and we all agreed God had called us to feed a million meals to children in Haiti through Conway of Hope. And we started, we started, you know, running across the street and skateboarding across the state and, you know, just everything we could to raise awareness and newspaper and TV and whatever, and, and thousands of dollars came in. And in this last year, we were able to raise that last dollar. God bless everybody, by the way, that gave a penny to that or a million dollars, whatever it was. But the millionth meal was paid for. And just hear me, because God's commandment came with a promise and God's promise comes with a commandment. And we obeyed that commandment. That that Holy Spirit speaking to us, when we obeyed that commandment, God fulfilled his promise to that face. That little boy prayed that his belly would be full. That little boy prayed that someone would care enough to help. That little boy prayed that someone would teach his community how to farm, how to care, that, that, that they would be healthy. That little boy folds his little hands and says, God, if you're out there and you're real, because you kept God's promises, God kept his promise to that kid. Are you getting this? Think of it this way. Look at this one. <clears throat> this is on our, our son's wedding day. This is Dina and I, and uh, I, I think about the promises that God made to my wife when she was just a young woman. She she told God always, and she told God never. I'll never be a pastor's wife. I'm telling you, never say never to God, because as soon as you do, it's like the never alarm goes off in heaven. Like I'll I'll never be a multimillionaire. Just kidding. I when when you when you say to God, I will obey you. She's she's in a bad place. She's been arrested. She's underage, whatever. She's in jail. She says, God, if you're real, help me out. She knows God's real. She comes back to him and she begins to live those promises, those commandments. Because of her obedience to those promises and those commandments, she became the embodiment of what God had promised to me. And I said, God, if you'll send me a godly woman, I'll take care of her for the rest of my life. I'll love her. I'll, you know. And I feel like the Lord said, I, if I gave you an appetite, I will create a cheeseburger. You know, If I gave you the desire to be married, I will create for you a wife. It was a promise that was deep inside of me. And when she walked through the door, I knew that I knew. By the time she walked out, I said, that's the girl I'm going to marry. And here it is 30, oh, God help me, 32, 32 years later, 33 years in January, we'll have been married. Why? Because... She's a promise. God made her for me. And and, and me keeping my promises, God made me for her. It's the same thing. And, And lastly, think about this, guys. As Jesus lived from his father's promises, did he or did he not become the embodiment of everything God had promised the earth? God loves the world. God loves you. God loves me. God loves everybody from every generation. He made us and he loves us. And because Jesus was obedient, because Jesus obeyed the commandments and because Jesus lived the promises when he died and defeated death, hell and the grave and rose from the dead as we're going to celebrate next Sunday. Let me tell you something, because he lived the promises of God, he became as one man, the embodiment of all of the promises that every promise is yes and amen in Christ Jesus. And, and we get to live this. We get to live this. We, we get to live by the promises of God, the decrees of God, coming out of something to walk into something because God is moving us by what he said through Moses, by what he said through Jesus, by what he's saying by his Holy Spirit. We get to live in the promises, the commandments of God. Now, the commandments sound kind of constrictive. there, There is no more liberating place than obedience. Well, the commandments, is I want to do this. and The Bible says I can't do this. So I'm going to find a teacher to tell me that I can do that. Don't do that. Don't you are robbing your own blessing to twist the scriptures, to have itching ears and look for someone that says what you want to hear. Don't find what you what you're looking for in man. Just read the word of God. Just listen to that still small voice. If there's a check in your spirit, don't go farther. If there's a peace in your spirit, God's with you. In this, I'm just telling you, you will live in promises. You'll live in commandments. And again, what's the difference between a commandment and a promise? Nothing. What's the difference between a promise and a commandment? Nothing. When God speaks, that is the substance by which we live. Paul went from an orphan to a son to an heir to leaving us a legacy because he was faithful to his promises, his commandments that God spoke to him We are now. He became the embodiment of the promises God made to tell us the truth. Three quarters of the New Testament books came through one man. Let me say it again. Three quarters of the New Testament books came through one man who lived his promise, who walked in obedience. And because of that today, he has become the embodiment of a God who speaks. We hear his voice through his writings because he was obedient to the promises of God. So, as we close this morning, I just want to simply put this in front of you. What what do you believe God has promised you? Now we, we know that the promises that Moses, the law, we know that's yours. We know that what Jesus spoke, we know that's yours. So let's start there, man. Get in the word, know the word, live the word, right? Pray over the word, get it in your heart, get it in your mind, get it in your family, get it on your refrigerator, you know, tattoo it on your dog as it walks slowly past you to get a drink of water, whatever you got to do, you get the word in you. And, and as you do, you'll begin to walk in those promises. Know who you are. I confess to you at the beginning of this teaching, I am an heir of God and a co-heir of Christ Jesus. And I don't really know in any real depth what that means. I'm scratching the surface, but I know it and I believe it. And I look for ways to live it because I know it, because I believe it. I'm looking for ways. That's my assignment. That's your assignment. That's a promise. That's a commandment. And so we find ourselves trying to you know, trying to figure these things out, trying to learn how to use these tools that are in our father's garage that we know we have access to, but just not quite sure what they do yet or how they work or, you know, how to use them safely so I do not cut somebody's arm off, right? But but we know that there are So I, I encourage you, if you have gone from an orphan to a son to an heir, it's time to leave your legacy. It's it's time to to have sons, to make sure they know who they are and daughters, make sure they know who they are. But if you're here today and you're like, man, I... Someone clicked this. I was looking up my feed and I started listening to the sermon because, you know, I, I thought you looked like Ellie May Clampett in the shirt and I thought it was funny. But here we are, right? Now we're in this moment. If you're not right with God, I have a promise for you. I have a commandment for you. Will you turn from darkness towards light? Will you turn away from self-righteousness and turn towards the righteous one who can save you? Will you let His grace, His goodness, His gift, and your trust in that come together to form a moment called being born again, being saved. If so, right here, right now, don't wait, don't keep scrolling, don't come back to it, don't ask an opinion, right here, right now, Jesus, I give you my life because you gave me yours. I am yours and you are mine. Second thing is this, if you're here today and you're like, you know what, I'm not living commandments, I'm living an American dream that frankly feels a little bit carouselish. A little bit secular, a little bit, you know, next level, next level, but nothing seems to satisfy. Listen, the promises of this world pale in comparison to the promises of God. Sometimes God's promises, God's commands call us away from what we consider, you know, things we've earned or the rights we have. Sometimes we, you know, places in a place where we we never expected to be or we have to sacrifice to be obedient. I'm telling you, the greatest thing you can do, the most selfish thing you can do is be obedient. (laughs) Because in doing that, you are aligning yourself with blessing. Um, I I just want to encourage as we close today that if you are not living by the promises of God, then just simply think of this. What what are you living by? What other standard? What other calling? What other power? What other authority are you living by? And if the answer is it's just nothing, I'm just kind of living, then do I have good news for you? God's a dreamer. And he has dreams for you and about you. Listen to that still small voice. Get in the word of God. Be challenged. Obey the commandments. Obey the promises. Because it's no wonder our lives can feel so cold. Just like our bodies would feel so empty without bread, our lives feel so cold without obedience to a cause, to a promise, to a commandment. So, Father, as we end our time today, I pray that you would bless my friends. you bless this congregation. you bless all that were able to listen today, God. My mom's in Florida. I got relatives in New York. And, you know, we have people on the other side of the ocean. All of us in all of our different time zones. Jesus, I pray, give us dreams and visions. Give us commandments and promises. Let us live not by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds through Moses, through Jesus, And let everybody who has an ear to hear, hear what the Spirit is saying now to the church. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Think about it. We will see you very soon on that ball field this week, praying over our city, loving Jesus. You know, Sunday, sunrise service, 630, and then the great Easter celebration, 10 a.m., not 9-11, 10 a.m., out on that ball field underneath two, two huge tents. Come and be a part of it. God bless you, Freedom Center. I love you. And we will see you again soon.